uh, singing of that, reflecting on that and um, believing that as well. Right, today uh, we are up to our last talk in the book of John. Been a few months in there, but I think it's been really good to go through the Gospel of John. Good faith building stuff as we see uh, the Gospel according to John and his account of the life of Jesus Christ. Um, Today, if I mentioned to you the word mission, the word mission, what do you think of? Some may think of... Did I miss something then? Rod. Rod. There's a mission. Absolute mission. Some may think of a cause or a task that needs to be achieved. Um, In military terms, the mission could be, hey, we need to go in and release those captives who have been taken prison by the enemy. Uh, For others, mission may mean adventure or excitement or something to explore. We're going on a mission to discover new lands. We've probably seen or heard that before as well. And for others, mission may mean uh, focus and sacrifice uh, as part of mission as well. Uh, Recently took Elliot along to watch the movie Dunkirk. And that was a mission of evacuation, a fantastic film actually, just the way they saw, the way they went about evacuating all those troops under great sacrifice and intense focus as well. But that was a mission that had costly sacrifice in it. There's a mission here that Jesus is going to call us to today as the church. It's a glorious mission, but a mission also that requires absolute determined focus and it's a mission that requires costly sacrifice at the same time. So if you've got your Bibles there, let's go to John chapter 20. And we'll just read uh, four verses, 19 to 23. Starting at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me... Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Uh, Father, thank you today that we can uh, explore this book of John. Thank you today for the truth that is upon every page, upon every verse, upon every line in the book of John. We thank you today. Uh, for the picture that it gives us of your glorious Son who came on mission, a mission that required determined focus and cost him very dearly in sacrifice. Uh, Holy Spirit, we would pray today you would give us eyes to see that and you'd give us a heart to engage in that same mission as we think about it now in uh, what Christ has done for us. Uh, We ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, this is the last of our talks uh, on the book of John and John had a an evangelistic theme or drive right throughout the book uh, as he's been writing this. From start to finish, he's been trying to tell us the story of Jesus Christ. He's been trying to see us that Jesus is the Son of God. John's been pointing us towards uh, a number of miracles uh, throughout the book that Jesus has performed to show us that he truly is God. The things that Jesus has done here, no one else could do. Only God could do that. John writes this account of Jesus so that we would believe in him so that we would believe in Jesus as the Christ, and in this believing we would receive eternal life. And it tells us there in verses 30 and 31 of this same chapter we're in now, 
Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's heaps of other stuff that Jesus has done. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants us to believe in Jesus. He's really clear here why he's writing this. He wants us to believe in Jesus. And what we have to know about John here is that as he wrote about these events and these words of Jesus, he would be writing the things that he thought were vitally important for us to remember or vitally important for us to know about Jesus. And we can also believe that we absolutely believe here at the Exchange Church that the Holy Spirit inspires every word that's written in the Bible. So the Holy Spirit is also inspiring John to record exactly what we need to hear today. So what John writes is precisely what God wants us to know. No question or no shadow of a doubt about that at all. So for John right here in this particular passage, he's communicating to us that the mission of Jesus Christ is now carried on by his disciples. And it's right there in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So guys, let's explore today that we are on the mission of God and then let's apply that to our lives here as we think about this mission that we are now called to as followers, believers or disciples of Jesus. One of the first things we need to see about God as we think about this mission is that God is a missionary God. That's exactly who God is. He's a missionary God. God is on a mission himself to glorify himself and he's doing that through his son and does that by the salvation of our souls. This is the mission that God is on. If you looked at the Bible, it's made up of bookends. If you looked at the first two chapters in Genesis, you would see there man in perfection, perfect harmony, perfect peace with God and with each other. It's a picture of absolute perfection. And if you go to the last two chapters of Revelation, you will then see man in perfect harmony with God once again. Perfect peace, perfect relationship and perfect harmony. But in between those two chapters and those two chapters, there is a whole pile of history. There's two and two makes four. There's actually 1,185 chapters in between those two lots of chapters. So there's 1,185 chapters here about God as a missionary God on mission to rescue a fallen and lost confused and rebellious people. We start off really, really good and we just fall over in chapter 3 and the next 1,185 chapters is about the missionary God rescuing and saving a people and we get back to the last two chapters of Revelation where everything is brought back to harmony, peace and order. God is a missionary God. And John's referred this to us a few times by things that Jesus has said. Jesus has said this a few times, I've come from the Father. I've been sent from God. The Father sends me. I only do what the Father has told me. There's this sense here of Jesus, and particularly in verse 21, where he makes it very plain and explicit for us, he's been sent. He's been sent on a mission. God is this missionary God, and he sent his son to come and to make this mission possible. And in one sense, the mission's concluded. Jesus has actually come and fulfilled the mission for us on our behalf. So in one sense it's concluded in the redemption and the restoration that Jesus has done for us at the cross. But in another sense, the mission goes on in the sense of that now we are communicating the message of the mission. It's completed in what Jesus has done, 
But the mission goes on now as we actually go to communicate this message of the mission that Jesus Christ has come to do on our behalf. So God is a missionary God. Jesus has fulfilled the mission in a completed sense, but we are now carrying on the message of the mission until Jesus returns to pull the curtain on this world once and for all. So we now have this command to carry on the message of the mission of Jesus Christ. So let's look at a few points here as we think about this mission that God has called us on to and sent us to be. Sometimes you swipe this iPad and it doesn't like to be swiped the way I just swiped it. Now I've gone right to the end. Where was I? I've gone to the wrong sermon. Can you believe that? That's it. Now we're back there again. You just know where to put the finger in the right spot, haven't you? I'm not playing Candy Crush here on the side as well, okay, so don't, don't be worried about that. That's not happening. Okay, a couple of things here. We're going to look at this mission here as we think about this mission that God has now called us onto. When somebody's called to a mission, it's very important to understand the authority that stands behind the mission. The authority that stands behind the mission. It's important because as we get a grasp of this authority, it gives us great confidence in the mission as well. So in this sense, the mission that we are called on now by Jesus, we actually go under the authority of Jesus Christ. He is the authority that stands behind the mission that we've now been called to. We are sent specifically and directly by Jesus. And again, in Matthew 28, you'll see here this picture of the authority that Jesus has. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, he came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. There's a picture here of the authority of of this mission that we are now going under. And you cannot get any higher authority than Jesus Christ because it already has told us here in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to him. And we are now going under his authority. The sovereign God has given Christ all authority and this sovereign Christ now says, go out and carry out the commands of this mission that I have given you. If we can just grasp that for a moment, that we are under the supreme authority of the universe, and that we are carrying out his commands, that we'll begin to recognise that what we are told to do is of critical importance, of the utmost importance when the supreme authority of the universe calls us onto a mission that he has initiated and completed himself, but now calls us to carry on the message of this mission. The authority is really important. Imagine if Donald Trump called us up on the telephone and said, I've got a mission for you. I want you to go to Houston, Texas and organise the whole rebuilding of Houston, Texas. You would think, whoa, that's pretty important. This really supreme authority has rung me up and he wants me to go on this mission to rebuild Houston, Texas. It would give you great confidence. It would give you something to say, this is an important mission. And an important part of picking up this idea here of the authority of Christ that we're going to is we don't go off in this mission doing our own agenda, carrying out our own plans. We stick to the plan of the authority that we go with. And this authority empowers us and gives us the confidence to carry out this critically and strategically important message under the confidence that Christ gives us. So the authority of the mission comes from Jesus himself, the supreme authority of the universe that we are a part of. It's a massive mission as well, a huge mission. 
It may not seem that way in the scope of this world, the way they think about the gospel going out, and the way they think about the church interacting with the community, but it's a massive mission that the supreme authority of the universe calls us to. If we just think about these guys, the disciples here, as Jesus says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, if we just put our place in their shoes for just a couple of moments, where were they when Jesus came and saw them at this particular time? As we discussed last week, they were in a fearful place. They were fearing for their lives. Their supreme leader, well, their leader at that point had been killed and they just thought everything's going to come crashing down on us. They were in a place of fear. And now Jesus is telling them, I want you to carry on the very same work that I've just completed. So they're thinking, whoa, how are we going to do this? We know how you got treated over the last few days. You know, you're asking us to carry on the same mission. I can imagine there'd be some fear with those guys as they face perhaps some demons in their own minds and some of the opposition they would face out there as well. Jesus shows them here the power of this mission that will carry them through. And it's in verse 22. Jesus. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I won't go into heaps of detail here about the Holy Spirit. We will be doing a series on the work of the Holy Spirit starting in a couple of weeks. We will then explore uh, over the next few weeks over who and what is the Holy Spirit and how God the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our lives. But suffice to say for now that Jesus knew that in their own strength, the disciples, that is, not one of them could carry out this mission on their own strength. Impossible. Totally impossible. Jesus would know that they would be as weak as kittens in the face of the threats of the Jewish religious authority and also Satan and his sort of subversive works in their minds as well. They knew, Jesus knew they would not be able to stand up to that. They would not have the strength to carry on this mission. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit and they would go on in the next few weeks to experience this, the fullness of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Luke in uh, Acts chapter 2 records here the dawning of a new age. Here it is, the age of the Holy Spirit now indwelling these believers, indwelling these disciples and giving them to be the power, giving them the power to be his witnesses to carry out this mission. All the followers of Jesus Christ back then and today will have the spirit of Jesus Christ now abiding in them, dwelling in them, and the spirit will enable them to empower ordinary, everyday people to carry this mission into really difficult places and into really difficult contexts, into really hard places to go and speak sometimes. This is what the Holy Spirit will supernaturally do to give the power to uh, this mission. So far we think about these guys. What have they got? They've got a mission. Jesus said, I'm going to send you to carry it on. They've got an authority. That Jesus is their sending authority. And these guys also now are given a power to carry out this mission as well. And now Jesus wants to tell us here the message of the mission in this sense as well. What's the message? So what are we going to tell them? What's the central core here of this mission? What is it all about? Jesus, what are we going to say to them? Jesus tells us this in the very next verse, in verse 23. He says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld from them. Jesus, who has all authority, the sending authority for this mission, tells us that the message of the mission is about the forgiveness of sins. And this actually sums up the mission of God. God has been on this mission from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation sort of uh, 20 in, in securing the forgiveness of sins 
for all of mankind. Sin, we have to see, has cut us off from God. This is humanity's number one problem. Sin comes from a heart that has turned itself against God and has turned itself away from him back to our own way. Sinful, evil heart is our biggest problem of humanity. It's not global warming. It's not same-sex marriage. The sinful heart that resides within us is humanity's single biggest problem. Some of these things we see today are just outworkings of a sinful, evil heart. God's rescue mission right throughout the Bible has focused on dealing with our sin issue flowing from a corrupted heart. Jesus himself said this in Mark chapter 7, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, so Jesus is talking about the very core being of who we are, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, All these things come from within and they defile a person. This is the number one problem for humanity. It's a sinful, corrupted, evil heart. And Jesus now tells the disciples and tells us today, the carriers of this mission, that we need to tell others how they can find forgiveness for our sins. We're commissioned to proclaim, share, tell, communicate in whatever way we can. And there's numbers of ways that we can communicate the gospel. Numbers of ways. But we are commissioned to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the forgiveness for our sins. This becomes the central message here of the mission. In this passage you might say, but isn't Jesus saying that we have the power to forgive sins ourselves? Doesn't he say there, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven? Just a little quick perhaps thought on that. Uh, Jesus is not saying that we have the power to forgive sins. God alone can only forgive sins. I can't forgive the sins of anybody. But what we do have, though, is this. We have the authority, because Jesus has given that authority, in his name to say that if you believe this message of the gospel, you will receive the forgiveness of your sins. And likewise, if we can say also, if you reject the message of the gospel, you will not receive the forgiveness of your sins. That's the message here that Jesus gives us. This is the central core of the message of the mission that we've been sent on by Jesus Christ himself. All four of the gospel accounts record this mission for us. And I think this is critically important for us to see as well. In each of Matthew, Mark, Luke and here in John as well, we see a similar thing. And for very good reason. God is a God who wants to save people. God is a God who is determined to save people. God is a rescuing God. God is a God who is on mission. God doesn't delight in seeing people eternally suffer in hell. Although he's a just God and a fair God and has created a justice, he doesn't delight in seeing people eternally suffer in hell. So the Holy Spirit here four times records this for us in the four accounts of the gospel. It's like God really wants us to get this. God wants us to see this that there's a mission here that we are to carry on as disciples and followers of Jesus. It's a bit like if you miss it in the first book, you'll get it in the second book. If you miss it in the second book, you'll get it in the third book. If you miss it in the third book, you'll get it in the fourth book. It's recorded four times for us, this great commission or this sending or this mission. And I'm sure John, who's written this, who's seen the risen Christ, was as keen as to record this for us again, this conversation that he recalls back to mind that he had with Jesus here in this upper room with all the disciples. 
I want to write this down because I know just how critically important this is. I have discovered that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. I don't want people to suffer in hell eternally. I want to bring glory to God. So I want to get people empowered and encouraged on this mission. John wants all the world to hear about Jesus. So this is why he's recorded it for us. And the disciples here are a bit like a people who know the cure for cancer and now they're going about telling everybody this cure for cancer in a sense, this massive problem in their life. They're encouraged and they're motivated also by God's spirit to take this message on. It's recorded four times for us to see that. Having said that though, it's a mission. We've got an authority that we're sent. We've got a power. We've got a message. And it seems like they're very keen here to say it four times through these Gospels to sort of communicate this message to us. But we find this a difficult mission though, don't we? We find it hard. We find it challenging. Even though we may have, even though we may have the cure for humanity's greatest problem, we struggle with carrying it out and speaking it. It's perhaps a bit like we know the cure for cancer ourselves, But then we go and live our lives keeping the cure to ourselves and not sharing it out unless somebody comes and asks me specifically for it. It's a difficult mission. Why is it difficult? What are the things that hamper us or the things that don't encourage us or the things that don't enthuse us about the mission? When we have this incredible truth that we can save people's souls by directing them towards Jesus Christ. One of the difficulties I think we deal with is is we don't feel the weight of eternity when we think about this mission. We don't really get a clear picture of the big picture of eternity. The world we live in, combined with our own indwelling sinful nature, it actually results in deadening us or making us dull to the seriousness of our lives in an eternal perspective. It really, really does. And when that happens we lose sight of the mission. We lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of eternity. And it's particularly so, I think, in our affluent Western world culture that we live in. Sometimes our culture is just carried away in being crazy busy trying to accumulate so many things and experience so many things. It's like we are trying to cram so much into our lives to experience all that we can here and now. Now, if I can just get that next career, if I can just get that job promotion, if I can just make it to that team, if I can just wear those clothes, if I can just meet this guy or girl, there are so many things spinning the wheels in our heads at times. And it's like, I just don't want to miss a thing in this life. Now, none of those things are wrong in themselves, but they can easily begin to consume our hearts and our minds and take up most of our energy thinking that's where life is in some of those things. And then what happens is this world becomes all that we can see and we can't see the bigger picture outside of us and outside of this physical here and now world. And when that's the case, we really do lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of the people around about us that one day they will stand before God to be judged. We lose sight of that. And this happens when we are working with them, studying with them, standing at sporting clubs with them. It can happen anywhere. Life just consumes us and fills us up with all of its stuff that we just go right and living alongside these people. And how do I know that? Because I'm guilty of that myself. 
that we just lose sight of the eternal perspective. And then when this happens, we don't feel the weight of eternity. We actually lose sight of this mission. I think another difficulty in the mission is that the mission is very costly. It's very costly. You know, we have to invest time into people's lives to share Jesus with them. You know, we'll probably have to forego some things we would like to do at times to reach people in the mission. It's going to cost us. Just maybe somebody you're friendly with is having a difficult time in their life and just maybe they need you at the moment. But I go on my morning walk at 9 o'clock every morning. I can't possibly disrupt my routine. There'll be a cost involved in this mission, in reaching out. The cost also will come financially in this mission. It will. God's given us uh, amazing resources here in, in the Western world in the way of finances. And the mission of the gospel needs to be funded in many, many respects. We need to uh, send and support people who want to go into other cultures to carry out the mission. Rod, the gospel needs finances to actually carry out this mission. It costs us money. And if you're anything like me, nobody finds it easy to part with money. We like to keep it fairly close in our pockets at times. It's not easy to do with. It's a sacrifice. It's costly to go on this mission. That's another difficulty. These things can hamper us in the mission. There are just a couple of difficulties out of many, many more we could talk about. So what do we do about these difficulties then? What do we do here to try and get ourselves to break free of these things that perhaps are binding us or chaining us down or just not letting us sort of be as free as we'd like to be free to fulfil this mission? Well, firstly, to get an eternal perspective, we must consistently, we must absolutely consistently soak ourselves in the message of the cross. We really, really must. It's an eternal God entering into time and history to rescue us for an eternity with him. That's the picture we get there of God. As it were, an eternal God coming into time and history to rescue us to spend an eternity with him. As we continually look to the truth of God's word and meditate upon Jesus and Calvary's cross, as we do that, I can assure you that the Holy Spirit will help us to see the seriousness of sin and mankind's plight with an eternal perspective. It will begin to enlarge our vision to see there's a much bigger game here, as it were, if you want to call it that, happening around about us. Sure, our nine-to-five job's important, and sure, our leisure time's important. All those things are important, but there's something else bigger that's around all of that that must take supreme importance in our lives. And as we focus upon the cross, as we focus upon Jesus, as we do these things, the Spirit will help us to see the incredible love that Jesus has made uh, available to us to save us from our sins as we think and reflect upon the gospel and think and reflect upon the cross. Because we easily stray from time to time. Our focus does get distracted. Our focus does get diverted away. We do get filled up with the here and now. But as we think about the, uh, the gospel, our focus will come back to be realigned on that big picture. And as we also as we keep the cross in focus, we will see the amazing sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. It wasn't cheap for him to leave heaven. He laid aside the perfection of glory. And even further, he actually laid aside his life. He made an amazing sacrifice to save us. He gave his life away. 
There's the example of sacrifice that we look to to propel us and empower us to that same cost that is required for us so that we too can have people come and know about Christ in this mission that he's given to us. Secondly, we must be people of prayer in this mission. Prayer is critical in its foundation. We must be instant in prayer to keep focused and to not lose our way or to see that the sacrifice is worth it or we must pray that God will give us the strength the strength of the Holy Spirit to keep on persisting in this mission, loving people, serving people, and being at, taking every opportunity we can to speak to people about Jesus. We must pray that God will soften hard hearts. That's another difficulty in the mission. Sometimes we go out there and we think, nobody wants it anyway. Or that we can pray that God's heart, that God will soften their hard hearts so they will receive that message. Prayer is absolutely foundational for, this, uh, for the mission. Praying with a mission goes hand in hand. To not pray, to not engage ourselves in, pray, in prayer, is to say that we can do this mission without God. Prayer, is, in its very essence, is us learning to say, we need, we need you, God. We are depending upon you. So the moment we say, no, we can carry on this mission without prayer, in effect, we're saying, no, I can do this without you. I'll be right on my own, thanks, God. The truth of the gospel and prayer in the Holy Spirit are our greatest strengths in carrying out this uh, incredible mission that God has given to us. Exchange Church is absolutely committed to this mission. Absolutely committed to this mission. We are committed to encouraging and supporting the mission that Jesus has called us to. We carry it out in two contexts here at Exchange. The local context is we want to encourage all people and challenge every believer to actively, actively fill up on the gospel and fill up on his uh, power through prayer to go out and lovingly pursue people so that we can have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. We want to equip and encourage all people on this mission as regularly as possible. We want to support each other in this mission by, re- being, by being reminded of the gospel continually because we can easily grow dull to the message of the cross. And we want to help people by practical engagement as well to share uh, the gospel with other people. We know that's a bit of a challenge sometimes for some people. They can struggle to think, how do I present the gospel to somebody? If that's you, we'd love to help you. If you're thinking, I'm not sure how to, what do I say and where do I say it? I mean, no one's perfect at this, but we've got some stuff here that would help people to say, I'd really love to know, how do I sort of say the gospel? How do I share the gospel? Because sometimes when you're talking to somebody, it doesn't always go according to script, if you know what I mean. You sort of get dragged left, right and centre sometimes. We would love to be able to help you perhaps learn to present the gospel. Again, as I said, it doesn't always go according to the plan. But we can have some resources that will actually help um, navigate a, a conversation. Sometimes also people struggle with that in a confidence sense, and we get that as well. We would still encourage you to try and develop the confidence, but at the same time... The church here, we like to put on events from time to time where maybe I can't share it, but I can actually ask somebody along to church. Hence, we put on that big question series there back in January of this year. Opportunity, again, okay, I don't really feel like I can share it, but actually I could ask somebody to a meeting. Church wants to do that as well, to provide opportunities where they can come and they can hear the gospel in that way, perhaps in an event or a special meeting. We strongly encourage prayer as well here at Exchange for the mission. We gather weekly as Connect and Grow groups. 
And then uh, monthly, we also we develop an evening together, together as prayer as well. So we pray, we pray weekly in our Connect and Grow groups. And then one night a month, we set aside for corporate prayer together there so we can pray to encourage each other in this mission for the power that's required to take that on. And every second Sunday of the month, we meet here, as we are going to do this afternoon at 5 o'clock. It's a corporate church prayer meeting. We gather together to pray, acknowledging that we need strength, acknowledging that we are weak. Acknowledging that we need God's power. Acknowledging that we need to be changed for this mission. And we gather and we pray. It's foundational here in the strength that is required for this mission. That's the local context. And this sort of overlaps some into this next context as well. The next context is, is the mission is global. We don't want to just have a focus here in the Greater Shepherd area. We love this area and God's placed us here strategically to reach this area, but we want a global perspective as well. We want to see that there are unreached people groups all over this world that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ just as much as the people here in Greater Shepherd need to hear it, need to hear it as well. We see an absolute importance, and we've got to see an absolute importance here, of a global gospel. We support Rod in Afghanistan. Rod's committed to the message of salvation through the gospel. Rod's in a really hard country. Difficult place. He just expressed some of those dangers there in those last few weeks of May. We need to get out there and we want to do this as a church to support a global gospel and to stir other people to perhaps have a desire to go to unreached people groups so we can finance them and pray for them and support them so they can take this glorious good news, the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ, into these difficult lands. We want to support that. Ben and Megan, right within our own church here, going to Kazakhstan as soon as they can raise enough finances. That's part of this global context. We want to see here the mission is bigger than just what we are here in Greater Shepherd. And we want to support the gospel all over the globe as best we can with the resources we have here at Exchange. This is the other context we have. We want to see the weaker people that Ben and Megan are going to reach in Kazakhstan to find Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins. Because if they reject the gospel, if they don't find him, they will suffer God's judgment. We don't want that to take place. We want to support Ben and Megan to go and take the message of Jesus Christ to them. So this is what John's doing here through the Holy Spirit today. He's putting this mission fair and square in our vision that every follower of Jesus is now called to. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says... So, even so, I am sending you. Jesus remained absolutely focused to this mission for the duration of his life here on earth. And he ultimately made the highest sacrifice by being nailed to the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So we've got to see that today as the church, that we are the people that God has now called for this mission. We are the people that God is now using to carry out this mission now by the proclamation of that message. And these are the questions we've got to ask ourselves as we think about that. Today, have you or I lost focus of that mission that we are now a part of? Have the things of this world, have the things of our own life crept in and absolutely consumed us where we've actually lost the focus here of this mission? Or have we walked away from this sacrificial part of the mission that's required to carry it out? It's costly. Oh, I don't want to pay that cost. They're things we need to deeply consider. Have I lost my focus? Have I allowed it to go somewhere else? And have I now turned my back away from 
being prepared to pay that cost of what the mission will require for people to find Jesus. Even as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, even so I send you. Father, we come before you today and thank you. Thank you that you have sent your Son and he gave up his life at the highest possible cost and sacrifice so that we could be saved, so that our sins could be washed away, so that we could be forgiven. Father, thank you today for the incredible focus that your son Jesus had for us, for those intense years of facing all that opposition and all that challenge. He remained devoted to the cause. He remained focused on the mission. Lord, today I pray that you would help us to grasp that mission afresh in our own hearts, in our own lives today, that you have now called us onto. And Lord, thankfully and gratefully, you have not left us alone in this mission, that you've given us your authority, you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit, and you've given us the message of the mission. And I pray today, God, that you would uh, strengthen our hearts again in this. Just as we prayed for Rod earlier on, looking for opportunity, pray, God, that you would help us each and every day to be praying for opportunities, praying for your strength and your power within us to speak up in this difficult world that, Lord, in many respects, doesn't want to hear about it. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to remain focused with an eternal perspective and help us to remain uh, willing to pay that cost, willing to invest that time, willing to invest that money, willing to see that Jesus is worth it all and even more. Help us, Lord, today, I pray in these things, and may... May, Lord, you through this receive all the glory and the praise as your kingdom grows and extends in the hearts and minds of people as they discover Jesus and the glory of his his completed mission at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Father, we ask this and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pete's going to come and uh, lead us around the communion table and we're going to have um, Elliot and uh, Imre, if you guys could just hand out the... uh, Elements, that would be really good. Well, good morning. Um, let's turn to First Corinthians eleven, twenty three to twenty six. should be able to almost recite this off by heart. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. On uh, Thursday night, we had an interesting little discussion at our home group. Um, um, And it sort of, um, we started thinking about the, um, the differences between first century Culture and today, and particularly in relationship to the the lack of sort of cultural rituals that we have today. Like in our, in, in Australia, there's very few cultural um, ceremonies, rituals that have any real meaning for us. 
but back in in uh, Jesus' time, the, these these cultural sort of signals and rituals and ceremonies were very important. They had great significance for them. But we, we just don't have any in Australia, actually. Um, and just this current marriage debate, for example, is a good example of it. Most people say, oh, who cares? Marriage doesn't mean anything. Everyone gets divorced these days. It doesn't really matter. If they want to get married, it doesn't bother me. There's no even understanding about this most basic of, of human ceremonies and any significance and meaning for that. And probably, probably the best we have is um, in the, and one we came up with on Thursday night was uh, a, a citizenship ceremony. And, and that's this sort of um, decision you make to become another citizen of another country. Uh, so that's, that's probably one. And, and the only other one that I thought about that you know, perhaps gives us some sense of, of uh, meaning is um, Anzac Day, which, which has this, um, I guess, remembrance factor um, and it's a bit of a, 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 a signal to our, our nation as a sort of gelling point. Um, I'm not sure whether that's how it was viewed back in, in 1916, but um, that's probably something that, as a nation, we sort of have this sort of mystical connection to and, and uh, remembering of. Um, yet, in, I guess, the pursuit of our own faith, we have essentially two um, symbolic sort of rituals. Uh, one is baptism and the other is the Lord's Supper. So when we look at this, it's, it's hard to actually find the meaning that I think it had back then because they were steeped in, in these types of ritual ceremonies in a cultural sense, so they had some gravity. For us, it's much more difficult. We, we struggle to have handles on this. So I just thought it'd be worth this morning just thinking about that and just looking at what Paul says um, about the Lord's Supper. And he makes the statement that um, we're to do this in remembrance of Christ. Okay, so, so central to the idea of the Lord's Supper is this idea of remembering. Now, to, to remember what Jesus did. And Todd talked this morning about the core of the gospel and very, very immediately we, we know what he came to do. He came to die. He came on this mission. So he came with a specific goal in mind. It wasn't, um, although he did miracles and did all these different things, it wasn't primarily to do all the things he did other than he came to die for us. So Jesus is saying, when you meet together, remember that, that I came to die for you. Now, even that is a difficult concept to understand because we, we don't have the sort of same um, legal, ritual, ceremonial, sacrificial system that many cultures had back then. But in reality, we're to remember this central part of the gospel. We've got to remember his death. And we remember what he came to do and what was achieved. And, and it's, all, it's also difficult, particularly when you've been a Christian for a long time, because you're almost removed from your life pre-Christ in a way. But what he did was you know, fundamental. It was cataclysmic. It was, it was universe rendering. Before Christ, the way creation was ordered... Um, was completely different than the way it was ordered after Christ. Before it was broken, he then made it whole. Before um, we had no way of coming to God, now he's the mediator 
between God and man. Before um, we were lost, broken, um, completely um, um, bereft of, of any goodness, and now we have our righteousness in Christ. So you can just go through metaphor after metaphor and description after description of what occurred before Jesus and what we have in Jesus. So Jesus is saying, remember this death. Remember that it made this tremendous transformative um, action on earth for mankind, completely reordering our relationship with God. Before we were condemned and now we have hope and forgiveness. Um, Before we had no way of knowing God, now we have a pathway to God. Before we had no hope of forgiveness, now we have forgiveness in Jesus. Okay, so this, this is what Paul's talking about. Only a few verses there, but it's the one that's often read out at, at, at the celebration of, um, of communion. It's, it's to remember his death and to try at least on a week-by-week basis or as often as you do this to, to, to apprehend the gravity of what happened, to, to lock on to the significance of what Jesus' death did. So as we do this again today, we've got our little cracker. I mean, difficult to see sim- symbolism in a bit of a, you know, a one-eighth one of a rice cracker. But, but what Jesus is saying is, this, this in a, a tangible way, my body was a real body. My body had substance to it. Um, in a complete mystery, God had um, intertwined himself with Humankind, and and you know what a fascinating aspect that Jesus will always be the incarnate Christ. Before he wasn't, and then he got incarnated, a mixture of divine and human in one being. He wasn't that from the beginning of time. He became that when he was incarnated. So a fundamental change, even to the nature of a, a person of the of the Trinity, occurred, and it, it, it's embodied in the fact that we eat this piece of material and and it helps us to remember that he he became a real person in a great mystery. So let's eat that remembering that significant aspect. And then Paul tells us to take this cup. What what is it? It's it's a a symbol of the blood that was shed. So Jesus just didn't do a, a fake death. Or somehow it was, um, uh, you know, some sort of mysterious thing that really had, you know, something that was not understood. He actually died. Blood was spilt. His life was um, exhausted. He died. He faced what all humans face. And he went through the process of dying, spilling his blood. And in that, his blood was shed. And in another great mystery, that... um, that met the demands of God, the demands of God's justice, the demands of what God required for our sinfulness. That was met by Jesus' blood being shed. So when we remember that, remember that this blood is signifying what Jesus purchased for us. We were lost. We were enemies of God. We were dead in our, um, our disobedience and, and Um, brokenness and yet Jesus shed his blood for us and now we know him and now we have forgiveness and now through this um, we have all that that um, the sons and daughters of God can have so let's drink that remembering that
And then uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that Lord, we have the great privilege of coming together week by week and remembering you. Lord, remembering you died, remembering that you rose, remembering that you went through this for us. Lord, and I pray that would propel us on our mission as we proclaim this central um, truth, that Lord, you came to die for mankind. I pray you would help us, Lord, to, to apprehend the gravity of that in our own life. And Lord, I pray it would be a motivating truth that causes us to see the lost, broken people around us and telling them about this man that came, a divine man, a great mystery, Lord, where the divinity was incarnate. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be able to explain that, and I pray your spirit would go before us and open the hearts and minds of people. We ask this in your name. Amen. And just a little bit of selfless, um, shameless self-promotion. I am on at the Golden Valley Christian Fellowship at 6.00.